We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Monday morning. It's February 5th. I wrote January 5th in my notes. That's that's not right. Uh, we have the Wolves 21 point win over the Houston Rockets uh, to get to on today's show. I thought it was an important bounce back performance for the Wolves after on Friday they lost to Orlando kind of the same way they've lost maybe. 10 of their 15 games with with poor late game execution. I've got Jace Frederick here from the Pioneer Press. Uh, Jace, I wouldn't say this was like a vintage pre-Christmas Wolves game, but I think it was like in that direction. How, how much did this remind you of the Wolves back at the beginning of the season where we were just kind of like, they play a team like Houston and you would go into the game and be like, I expect them to win. And they would win and they would kind of do their wolvesy things. Like, how much did this feel like maybe early December to you? I think a lot. Um, I think for me, like, I think I went into that game being like, I think Minnesota matches up really well with Houston. Like, I would have probably chalked up like a similar roadmap to what happened last night as the actual, like, as mm-hmm. what played out. Um but just like in general, it was one of those games and they played these earlier in the year too, where like it's a four point game at halftime. And honestly, it's like I would walk away from that with like a tight game being like, I would be really stunned if Minnesota doesn't win this game. And it's because they're playing the type of defense that we've seen. We definitely saw it earlier in the year and we often saw it at Target Center specifically yeah. uh, the type of defense where it's like the other team can't score, like not even close to consistently or reliably enough. Nothing they're doing offensively is repeatable. Um so it, it's just like this, this isn't going to work over the course of 48 minutes for Houston. And sure enough, that's what played out like, and they only had 44 points at halftime. Uh, but it was still like, like, I don't even know if they could do that again. Um, you know, like it, everything is just so hard and difficult and like tough shots. And there's just no, like nothing they can go to. And they're like, well, they can keep going to this, you know, Shangun, whatever. Like there was nothing that they could hang their hat on offensively. Um, Cause Minnesota really did kind of shut everything down that Houston would want to go yeah. to. And that is to me what, was so similar to like a lot of the games we saw at home specifically pre-Christmas where like teams were just like, you know, like hopes and prayers on offense. Yeah. It's the, the two things I think you could point to that are most early season wolves are the dominant defense and ant in the third quarter kind of 
putting the game away. And those things have been substantially less frequent. Not not completely. I mean, obviously, there's yeah. been great moments from the defense or quarters uh, here and there. And Ant's had his little boomlets uh, from, from time to time. But I was thinking about that. I was like, what makes this? Was it more the defense or is like what what is the identity of a really good convincing wolves win is it that kind of ant stomps it out or is it the is it the defense and i think it's the defense right like that's because that can sustain right like that 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 can be through all four quarters um and not that you know ant can't contribute in in all four quarters but it's it's hard to be on fire right for like every single one of your your stints out there i thought that was important um, but let's yeah, we can we can focus on the defense first. I was looking it up this morning. That was their best defensive rating uh game of the season, even surprised wow. me. I always thought Portland was that was just so when when they beat Portland at home, that was just so bad by by Portland. But yeah, they really they really shut uh Houston down last night. And we were kind of asking Finch about it after the game and as the defensive questions normally do, they go to like, oh, what was like Gobert's impact at the rim, which is obvious. But Finch immediately pointed out, he goes, you know, I want to, you know, I want to give credit to Jade McDaniels too. And, and he just completely shut off Jalen Green uh, from, from the beginning of the game. And I think that's what, when we talk about this best version of the Wolves defense, it's that there's more going on than just Rudy, right? Like I think about the very beginning of the season, I thought Carl and Nas were really good defensively. That's kind of like, you know, ebbs and flows. Jaden kind of ebbs and flows uh, defensively over the course of the season. The has been, you know, really, really consistent there. But I thought it was interesting that Finch pointed to Jaden. And that probably is a good reminder that this defense is not just about Rudy at the rim. It's arguably just as much about controlling the point of attack and the way the Wolves can do that, not just with McDaniels, not just with Alexander Walker, but with Edwards and Conley and Anderson, like that, that to me is just as important to this defense as Rudy at the rim is. Well, it's just like when, when you've got Rudy at the rim, you've got a baseline, right? It's like, yeah. well, we won't get absolutely destroyed here, but it's like, if you want to be elite, if you want to be like almost unscorable on, if you want it to be like, I don't know how Houston's going to get their next bucket. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to start on the perimeter. Like otherwise teams will find a way to like, they might get at least like 18 footers shots around the three driving kicks, whatever. Like, and you can start generating some good offense and feeling yourself and, and getting into a little bit of a run. But like when you suffocate on the perimeter, when you make getting by you really hard. And then when you do that really hard thing, now you're too Rudy and you have no momentum and no speed or anything um, because it was all physical up to that point, And you had to like trudge your way to the rim. Now you have no chance. Uh, and so it really does like start with those perimeter guys. And like, that's just what elevates it. Like Rudy gives you a baseline of, I don't know, let's just say like 110 defensive rating or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's the perimeter defense that bumps it up to 105, 104. Like those numbers that are just truly elite in today's NBA, like right. almost unthinkable in today's NBA. So I agree with that. I think like the post game comments, that's what makes Chris Finch such a good coach is like, it's they, he even said it himself. Like I, one thing that definitely came out of that Saturday thing uh, was that they challenged Jane McDaniels to get back to being, a really good on-ball defender, like being elite. Like if you've been watching games and thinking like, Jane, not quite the same. The coaches challenged him to get back to that. Um, and then when he does it on Sunday, then yeah, you go out of your way to be like, and Jaden was great. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. You know, like it's just the, the affirmation of we see you. Uh, mm-hmm. We see that you did what we asked and we appreciate it. Yeah. that That's probably the way to talk about all of this, right? If there was a turning 
back into the team that they were earlier in the season, like something was the impetus for that change, right? And and obviously you you, you can point to the the loss uh, against Orlando, and that's a you know loss they didn't feel good about. They lost it in the same way as they had lost a lot of their their games this season. So what came out of Saturday, and in theory, right, if the Wolves go twelve and one over the next thirteen games, like or if they go undefeated into the All Star break, we're going to point to this the film session on Saturday, February 3rd that that happened there, but they were all talking about it. Like they talked about it after, after practice, when we talked to uh, Kyle Anderson and, and Nas, and they said it was like a full, like they watched the entire fourth quarter of that Orlando game, not just clips and, and guys just stood up and spoke about getting back to being, you know, the team they, they wanted to be, or they, they want to be. And some guys talked about this film session again after the game last night too. Ant said, I think Corliss, Corliss Williamson, the one of the assistant coaches, uh, Ant said, I think Corliss was the MVP of that film session for sure. Kat said about the film session, we just wanted to reestablish who we were, taking any miscommit miscommunications that we have on defense and offense out and just sitting there as a family and having those tough discussions. Conley said, I, Mike Conley, I think the biggest thing, honestly, regardless of what was said, it was who all spoke. So it seemed like, you know, we're not going to get carried away about one win over the Houston Rockets as signaling that this team has changed and completely got back onto the path of being a contender. But they they did need to kind of be shaken and reminded that it's 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 easy, particularly in this Western Conference. Like if you mess around for a while, you can fall back to three, four, whatever. Um, and and I think Finch, the coaches and the the leaders on the team know that, and and they try to kind of nip that in the bud uh, th- this weekend. And at least for for Sunday, it it showed up. That's probably worth us mentioning here. I think I think this has been talked. Like, isn't Corliss Williamson like? One thing I think that he is has a big role in is transition. Like yeah. they've really like transition defense and transition rebounding. defense. Yeah, yeah, right. And and that was an area where they got crushed by Orlando. Um, and it's yeah. you know, and so I'm not surprised at all that he was one of the first people to sure kind of take the reins of the meeting and be like, because that is if you're going to get chewed out, it should be for transition defense. Like as, above well, above anything else, it's like you just didn't do it. Well, you it's know, the like, it's the biggest change from last season to this season, right? Like it, more it, consistently it's... doing it. You know? I mean, and and numbers wise, it's nuts to me. It's like right. the the wolves when it was the cat and go bear lineup. I've said this a bunch of times, but when it was the cat and go bear lineups, it was like them and Utah. They were like the got ran on as much as anyone. You were like, oh, the team with three centers, the team with two centers got ran all the time. Like shocker. And now you look at it this season. Actually, Houston allows the least transition opportunities, and the wolves are always there, like two or three in least transition opportunities against them, which kind of blows my mind that is a huge shift it's also like i feel like i would try and run a lot on the Timberwolves if i was playing against them but in the last couple have right like orlando definitely did orlando Mm -hmm. was very intentional and even houston for sure in the first half i don't think there were that many opportunities in the second half but like you would just see like thompson or whoever would just like like thompson would go one on two it's not like he's some elite offensive player but it was clearly like go (laughs) and it was like you just go in at the rim it's like whatever i do here a turnover or a miss, especially for Houston, who just doesn't have the shot making to play against Minnesota. Like, whatever I get out of this free throw, turnover, whatever, is better than what we're going to get in the half. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was literally their mindset. Like, Dylan Brooks, one on three. Yeah, I got it. You know, yeah. like, 
it's it was literally like just go um and so i am surprised we don't see more especially more bad teams like now i'm not saying houston's right. bad they're like three games under 500 they're probably not gonna make the plan but they're okay you know like i'm surprised more teams of that caliber aren't like here is our only chance to win tonight like, right. especially in minnesota let's just go um but i, I don't think we see it in a a lot of teams take that mentality where at the beginning of last season, I think it was because like the new thing it was like, this is Minnesota. Oh yeah. They are playing two, two centers. Let's just yeah. run, you know, like I, it's almost like it becomes now it, that that's just Minnesota's thing. You don't think about it anymore. You're not just like, right. Should we just run on these guys? You're just game planning and whatnot, where it just seemed more obvious to me at the beginning of last season. And certainly Minnesota was more susceptible to getting smoked by that last yeah. season as well. Yeah. Well, and, and, Corliss Williamson was a new yes. addition. Off-season addition this year, yeah. Like not yep. they created an extra position. He didn't right. replace anyone. Correct. Um, and and it was for this reason. So to to point to that how the rebounding has got better and the transition mm-hmm. defense has yep. gotten better. That makes sense that Corliss Williamson, you know, has played a role in that and then played a, you know, according to Ant, was the MVP of that that film session yesterday. So, you know, I mean, this is what good teams do, right? Like when you get a little askew, uh, you you find a way to kind of get yourself back to being like the team, you know, the the team that you know you can be. And I think they weren't that uh, against Orlando. Like they were the team that was kind of like, let's mess around and see if we can can get this done. I think Orlando did, you know, a handful of good things uh, against the Wolves. I liked I liked their second half adjustments. I actually asked Mitch about that on Saturday. I was like, was part of that like. Orlando, you know, just the, the way in which they played, he was like, oh, I get what you're saying. Like they went big, but Finn, what, what Finch said to me, he goes, they had 28 points in the fourth quarter and 17 of them were in transition or on the offensive glass. He goes, so I can't really like give that much credit. He goes, it was, that, it was, it was us, you know, kind of not doing the the things that, that they, when they're playing their bas- best basketball that they, that they do. I want to talk about that Orlando game a little bit. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to totally brush over the. It was more interesting. I know the Houston one, yeah. like it was good, but I mean, I, I, I can honestly say I think even like if Minnesota isn't playing at their best, just the way they match up, and Houston doesn't have like the creation and the scores. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen Green's like an okay basketball yeah. player. Like he's not like a, a high end player in any stretch. Um, I think Minnesota beat Houston 90 times out of 100. Yeah, I wrote. If they I get really them do. in the playoffs, that's a sweep. It's a sweep for sure. And I and I said the same thing, and I had to immediately follow it up, and I was like, Houston's not. I mean, I, I would be very surprised if Houston made it to the play-in. Like, I, they're currently out of it. I don't think they're going to get back into it. Certainly somebody can get hurt. Houston can just randomly get hot. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, they didn't get the 10. Uh, <laughs> and then they'd have to win two games to get to Minnesota. Like, uh, but yeah, Houston, Minnesota just matches up so well with Houston. It's like 95 and what in the first meeting and however many points Houston. Yeah. I think it was 122 to 95 in the first meeting. And then it was 111 to 90 yesterday. Yes. I would think it'd be four games and maybe one was competitive in a playoff (laughs) series between those two teams. So like, it's like, yeah, Minnesota did great. They really did. Uh, They, they played well. I don't want to take it away from them, but Mm -hmm. I just find those less interesting because going into the game, I would be like, I think Minnesota is going to win this by double digits at least, you know, like, um, because the NBA, you just can't state it enough. Like matchups really matter. Um, right. It makes some things where it's like this team does not have a chance to beat this one, or this team does, and they can be similar talent levels. You know, mm-hmm. like Team B and Team C can be similar talent levels, but Team B has a chance to beat Team A, and Team C does not because of the way they match up. Right. Let me let, let's talk about the Orlando game. Let me because I don't want to cut it up with a break in the middle of it. Let me let me get this break in here. Uh, today's show is brought to you by your home. 
Improvement Company, another one of our local sponsors here that we hope that you consider if you are considering like a home improvement uh, renovation this this winter. They are offering a deal that is 30% off on bathroom renovations um, right now. If you call now and they can do those renovations within one day, a full a full bathroom uh, renovation in one day. And the number for that is 844-270-7180. And then also they have a buy two windows, get two windows free deal. If that's something that you are going to be looking to to do uh, this, this winter as well to, you know, don't let it, don't let the windows get drafty. Um, if these are things that you are considering and you're going to go to someone to do um, a, a bathroom renovation or get new windows, we just ask that you consider your home improvement company. Uh, they obviously support this show. And so we're hoping that that's something that you all do to be able to support them as well. Again, that's your home improvement company. You can go to YHIC.com or 844-270-7180. Your home improvement company where it's your home made better. Can you imagine standing on a roof and inserting a window by yourself? Like that no, thing looks dude, heavy. I'll get out. And you're just like, you're trying to jam it in there. Yeah, I would so like do like the one step back and because it's too heavy for me and fall off the thing like i did i did a landscaping job not a summer. diy job yeah uh, uh, and i'm not i'm not a i suck <laughs> at everything um but I, I had this landscaping gig and i was just like all those jobs that like required any sort of like scary stuff like that where i'm like man if i just step wrong here i'm gonna fall off the whatever right so i was just like no guys i'll just I'll just move the rocks like yeah, the rocks yeah. in the, the rocks in the driveway that we have to move back to the backyard. <laughs> that was a terrible idea too. Cause you're literally just shoveling rocks and, and putting them in. That's a where, like oh. at the end of those weeks, you're like, I can't move. No. Dead. Especially like the first couple weeks of it. And, and I was like, you just get used to it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm but... like right now, if, if I had to scoop one wheelbarrow full of rocks, I'm out for the week. That's, that's it. I, was... I remember when I would do stuff like that, I wore this. This is great for basketball podcasts, but like sitting on a roof, putting in leaf guard, and I'm just wearing like old basketball shoes that had no grip. Like I just like, <laughs> and I just remember sitting on the roof and like sitting down, and my shoes had no traction on them. I just started sliding down the roof. <laughs> I got all the way to the gutters, and finally my feet went into the gutters, and I stopped. I thought I was gonna die. It was only like 15 feet. I wasn't gonna die, but I thought I was just going off the roof. And that's what I realized. I don't want to do this. <laughs> this is and this is why you're not this. hiring me and Jace to do a home improvement project for you. I, I definitely recommend the people in the video doing those jobs. <laughs> your home improvement company. Yes, your home improvement uh, company. Yes. Um not okay. my home improvement company. <laughs> the uh I thought the Orlando game was interesting. Um and and the reason is and it's part of I don't know if it was 3 4 weeks ago you and I uh, did a pod about like which teams in the West um, would present the, you know, a difficult matchup for, for the Wolves or teams. We felt confident in them beating. And, and one, we were both kind of like on the fence on, but really recognized it was an area in which the Wolves were susceptible was the Pelicans. Mm -hmm. And, um, and our, our rationale for that is one, they're big, right? They kind of match the Wolves physicality which takes that away as an advantage and, <clears throat> and then like a strong playmaking scoring power forward, like Zion presents, you know, a difficult matchup for the wolves. Cause your power forward typically is Carl Anthony towns or Nasri. And you typically don't want to have either of those two on the opposing team's best, you know, offensive player. 
So there aren't really other teams in the West that are like that. But I thought Orlando played a lot like New Orleans uh, to me, and particularly in the second half once they went super big and they brought Jonathan Isaac in uh, for for Markel Fultz. So it was Wendell Carter Jr., Paolo Bencaro, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, and Jalen Suggs was the five, which gives you the rare lineup the Wolves are going up against that's bigger than than they are. And, and I found that interesting because Rudy was guarding Fultz, which allows him to do, you know, his lurk off the shooter thing. And, uh, and that really worked that, that works broadly all season. They loved it. They did that against Giddy right in the, in the Thunder game, but you they take Fultz out and against the Rockets. Yes, exactly. And it again, worked, worked great. The, the interesting part of it was now with Fultz out, I thought the biggest change was how it allowed the magic to match up differently. Rudy had 17 points in the first half of that magic game. And it was because he was being guarded by Ben Caro and Carter was on cat. And, and what they did because they're worried about guarding cat by bringing Jonathan Isaac into the game, Isaac guarded cat, shut cat down. Wendell Carter was able to move to Gobert. Gobert only has two points in the second half of having 17 in the first half. And then Ben Carroll moves on to McDaniels or whatever. And I agree, like what Finch said, 17 of the 28 points, they were self-inflicted. They were you know, allowing transition opportunities, allowing offensive rebounds and all that. Um, and if you watch it back, like you go, yep, that was an error. That was a mistake. And it really reminds me, though, of kind of the discussion we were having about uh, Finch with the, the four non-shooter lineups or whatever, where, like, Yes, those lineups messed it up and it wasn't like the spacing was what caused it in the specific possession. But it's almost kind of like an energy to me about when you don't have those advantages there for you that you once had. Like, yes, it might not be directly correlatable, but it's this overall feel where you've lost some of your advantage. You lost the Gobert on Fultz advantage. You lost the Towns posting up advantage those sort of things so if you can't even go to them and you know that if you're anthony edwards or mike conley or whatever then maybe you are going to look the other direction and and not even look that way and have a turnover or allow an offensive rebound and that sort of thing i i kind of disagree with with finch and with a lot of people out of that game that that was just the wolves shooting themselves in the foot i've seen the wolves shoot themselves in the foot in the fourth quarters 10 times this season they shot themselves in the foot again in that Orlando game, but it felt different and felt to me like it was a product of the bigger players on the court that that Orlando had and why I think that is relevant as it, it ties to the Pelicans thing um, where I'm a little worried about this team when teams go big against them. What yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect Finch to be like, yeah, well, dude, I don't know. They went big and we just got nothing for big. You know, like, <laughs> you're right, Dane. Oh, we are so screwed. Uh, if somebody else goes no, big. No, but dude, he, uh, he, he did it. He didn't. He I, I know. I was getting at and yeah, he directly yeah, went in another yeah. direction. I think I, I know Finch well enough where he yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was know. kidding. I yeah. was kidding. Uh, and I, I do think part of it also is like Finch had just been a 60-minute film session talking about the things they did wrong in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. like, he's just so in that headspace that it's like, what did that do? I don't know. We should have done this and this and this. Like, right. literally all he's been talking about and focused on. Uh, and that's all. That's the only direction he's even looking at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're, you're right in that, like, 
it's what makes the wolves so good is like when the opponent does not have an advantage, like an individual advantage to create, um, to, to put the defense, like Mm -hmm. to get you out of your like rotations and and whatnot, like break down the defense, get two on the ball. Like, and now everybody's playing one-on-one in a matchup where they do not have an advantage. Like that is literally what the wolves, the situation the wolves put so many opponents in every night. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, now what? And you see how hard scoring becomes. And that's what it was for Minnesota there as well. Um, and you just end up in a lot of different isolation situations, bad shots, whatever. And then eventually turnovers because, you know, you're like, you, there's just nothing there. There's not space there. And like that, that can come down to like the Wolves can play a better offense for sure. But like you have to be great offensively when you mm-hmm. do not have like a matchup advantage that gets a possession started that creates mm-hmm. like, you know, you, it's easy to get downhill. It's easy to get two on the ball, whatever. Um, life gets way harder. We've just seen Minnesota do that time and time again to teams. And it's like, I don't know what you're going to do. Um, and that is what it looked like, frankly, for Minnesota in that game. Like just being big, right? Yeah, like, I where mean, do you, where do we go? Where is our like easy offense to at least get a good look here? Oh, we don't have it. You know, like it's hard for everybody. It would be, and no offense looks good in those situations because it does turn into like stagnant isolation basketball because like you don't know where else to go. Um, it's when, when Minnesota is so used to like having something, Mm-hmm. You know, like Carl with a guy who can't quite stay in front of him or or down low in the post, whatever, and just being able to turn the corner on somebody like even a broody like duck in on a small yes. like. Yep. It's no, I, I think it was they they were so like if you I don't know if anybody was listening to this, like if you go back and watch all of the fourth quarter, you know, possessions or whatever, if, if you if you can. But just go watch the ant ones, which, you know, we've we've talked a lot about ant turnovers um in game in in fourth quarters that's been an issue but like to me they were swarming him more or it just feels like more of a swarm when i mean that that magic lineup is four six foot ten guys yeah out there like, I'm, I'm not totally giving ant a pass but that's a lot harder to do the job that ant has when it's four six foot ten guys out on the floor and kind of compacting into the paint and being told to show help um against you there so I don't know. I, I really, as odd as it sounds, the Wolves, the biggest team in the league, like, I, I think if I'm a team that can go big against them, I'm trying to lean into that. And I think that's a good way to 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 muck up the, the Wolves offense a, a little bit is just with kind of excess size. And with Orlando, it wasn't it wasn't like painfully big or anything they could they could play that way but yeah yeah they're still playing good players you know it's not like they're just like let's go three centers Uh you know like it's functional like it's functional players and they and they still like yeah there's technically a small forward technically a power forward like just as big as they can possibly go um at every position and it worked out great it's like it's like if the wolves if the wolves were doing this against the wolves it would be playing the rudy cat and nas lineup all at the same yeah right right, you know what i'm saying like this lineup you don't really use that often but you could go to it because those are all good players and they're bigger. Like teams that have that in their bag, I would use it. I would use that against the Wolves. And maybe Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee is the the next team coming up who can kind of do some of this uh, against the Wolves. It's the same thing of presenting the really difficult matchup at the four, who's going to guard Giannis, uh, that, that, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm interested for the Milwaukee game for that reason because this has been on my mind since a month ago when we, we had this conversation. Sorry, I cut you off. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm just interested to watch Malik Beasley guard Anthony Edwards. Oh. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't watched Milwaukee, that's who they got. 
Nope. Like it's going to be Malik Beasley on him. Like Mr. Jade McDaniels. Yeah. If you're like, wait, Malik Beasley sucked at defense when he was here. It's like, no, he still does. Uh, that They don't have anybody. This is why they give up 130 points. Not the coach. They don't have a single perimeter defender. They don't have one. Uh, but that is what it is. But like, I think what's it's interesting because like we always talked about going small and, and that was the idea of how do you best generate offense against Minnesota. Yes. Uh, but the answer might be like, we're just not going to score that many points, but we think if we go this way, they won't score that many points either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we'll just get into like a, just like a brawl, you know, and yeah. it's first to a hundred, especially in the playoffs or whatever, like we'll take our chances. Um, and that makes some sense, um, especially like, now, certain teams, they're either going to have to lean one way or the other, and they don't have an option to, to toggle. Um, but you do see, like, paths for, like, if you're a big team, it's like, let's just go big um, and just try to not let them score. And if right. you're small, then that's when you're like, we got to space them out, and they're going to have advantages, Cat, Rudy, whatever, even Ant, if we don't have a rim protector out there. Um, he feasts on that. Like, he's probably the player who takes the most advantage of opposing small ball lineups, um, and we'll just try to outscore them. But, like, just to wrap up my one thought about, like, when you don't have an advantage, how hard it is. It's like, think about when the opponent doesn't have an advantage. Like last night, Houston, yeah. no offensive player had an advantage. Um, and it's how hard it is for them to score. And then you think like, man, the Wolves have had a, done a bad job defending New Orleans. It's like Zion has an advantage over everybody on the Wolves roster. So like yeah. offense is so much easier when you have a player that either themselves can score or then like has to be compensated for so that the rest of the defensive integrity breaks down. Like that is that is basically, especially in the NBA, that is basketball like one-on-one. It it's really I've I've grown a greater appreciation this year for like the concept of advantage basketball. Yeah, yeah. I guess I like kind of knew what that was. You know, you're like, oh, it's creating advantages, but whatever. But you see it so much on a Rudy Gobert team, right? Yep. On both sides of the ball, he takes obviously can take away advantages that that teams have of you know a really quick guard getting downhill. Well, Rudy's there, like that advantage can be, can be largely taken away. And he creates them on offense. Like first thing I put down in my notes yesterday at the game was the wolves best offense. So often has Gobert involved in it, which I got, I mean, and I'm not even trying to be the like, Oh, like y'all don't watch the wolf. You don't watch the wolves. Like, you know, I didn't know that that either. Like you, when you're watching the Gobert stuff night after night and you're seeing the advantages he creates for Ant and specifically Mike Conley, like you go, oh yeah, it's like this starting point where now you have two on one here or you have Ant going against a big or whatever. Like Rudy creates these advantages all over the place. And while individually, you know, he's a not a smooth offensive player, the offense as a whole runs smooth because of um, the, the advantages he creates. And that's why this team is becoming a, an advantage basketball team and they're playing their best offense. Like, and maybe we can get back into that, that third quarter of the, of the Houston game where you're putting Ant in advantageous situations by, you know, being off ball. Mike Conley was initiating a lot of the offense and then it finds its way to Ant coming off of an off ball screen or something like that. And he's going decisively, which is key for Ant. If the, if you see an advantage go right away, you know, and, and be able to do it. And I, I found that I found the third quarter really encouraging in the wolves playing advantageous uh, third quarter offensive basketball. What stood out to you about the, that third quarter last time with the wolves basically was a four point game at halftime and got up to 20 about halfway through the, the third quarter there. Obviously it's a lot of ant shot making, but 
what what did you like about that? Yeah, just to tie on your other point quick. Uh, yeah, Mike sorry. Conley said last night that Rudy was like, Rudy is the best player on the team of like using his body to create attention and open stuff up for other people offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's that you would never think that. Um, but literally like his best at creating for everybody else. Right. Um, which is like its own form of playmaking uh, that just won't show up on any stat sheet. Uh, I think for me, the third quarter was like, it was Ant going into Inferno mode, but it started in like with good offense, you know, like it started with him playing off the ball and just getting easy looks like the ball coming back around to him, like second side, easy attacks, layups, those types of things. And then it's just like, he sees the ball going a couple of times. And like he said, he's like, you know, I make one and you know, what's going to happen or whatever. And I hate that mentality, but uh, it was, it, it's still like, it is like you get three easy looks or whatever. Now, now you are more likely to make, you know, the harder ones. Like that's just true. And it's so much better going that route than mm-hmm. you trying to get yourself going by being like, I haven't done anything for a while here. Let me dribble up and attack a stack defense or let me pull from three here and mm-hmm. just hope I can get myself going. Like let's the offense, get him going and then goes from there, you know, like, and some of those shots at the end of that run were like, Ooh, I don't know. And then they go in and it's like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, but I just think even those are so much more likely to go down when you've gotten going via easy looks and easy looks come when, Sometimes you're off the ball and you're getting like so many more like positions where it's like, yeah, you are going to score here nine times out of 10. I I thought it was a really interesting like combination in the third quarter. Like it started with Mike. It was the, it was the most Mike played point guard in a long time. I thought the the whole game and the most ant then played. Finch said was going to happen. He did. He said it that came out in the film session or whatever. Um, said it after the Orlando game too. I think like we got Mike's gonna have the ball. Yeah, Mike's gonna have the ball more. Yeah. Um, but it was to me, it was like the perfect way to kind of go about it. Mike was creating it or finding Ant in advantageous situations, and the first couple buckets were that way, right? It's mm-hmm. you know playing through Mike into Ant, go bucket, um, and that happened two or three times, and then then it went into running the offense through Ant, which is a less efficient thing that the that the wolves do but when ant is already rolling it becomes the most efficient thing that right. that the that the wolves do so i really liked how that kind of flowed through the through the the course of the of the third quarter and i liked that ant um once it was in the him part of it the, the kind of the second half of the third quarter it was more of an intention intention to take threes, he got the step back going a little bit more so than it was stepping in to take the mid-range looks, you know, yeah, which yeah. we think the mid-range is, I'm not, I'm not doing the no, no, no mid-range thing. It just, it's a sometimes thing. And, and Rudy, when, when he was talking to us after the game, he was like, I, I love when Ant is playing that way. And from beyond the three-point arc, because he goes, I think he shoots a better clip from behind the three-point arc than from the mid-range and one's worth, worth three and one's worth two. And I looked it up this morning and shooting 40% from three and, and 39% from mid range. Yeah. 39% from mid range, 40% from, from three on the season. He shot 293 threes and 366 mid range shots. The mid range has to be part of the diet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think to Rudy's point and to the th- third quarters point as a whole, the 3.1 should be more uh, than than the mid range one, right? And uh, that that's where the wolves are are playing their their best offense. I feel like when Ant 
has hit a couple and then the barrage of threes come, you're like, okay, you know, yeah. this one might be over. Yeah. It's like, uh, if, if the diet is a heavy dose of mid range, then the offense isn't working. Uh, and that is on, and that is, there are different situations. Like if you are facing like a hardcore drop coverage team, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you are just, and, and you're knocking them down. Like maybe you are taking a bunch of 16 footers, um, that are coming pretty naturally off the bounce, like great looks. Uh, but yeah. And I was just like, like we talk about shot selection a lot. Like we are not anti riding heaters. Uh, oh, yeah. all about it. Like, yeah, you got to cook and go ahead, you know, like take a couple of heat checks, whatever. Like, you then just know, like, when the heat check, when when the heater's over, like, adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know, be smart about it. But, like, ride it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this team has won a number of games because of ant heaters. Like, and that won't go away. And they they become even more necessary in the playoffs when offense is hard. It's For just sure. about, like, it's it's really just, I think, a big key is is allowing the heater to start organically. Like, easy buckets and being like, all right, now they're going down. Versus, like, mm-hmm. versus sometimes what looks like an intention of we are down eight, I need to go on a heater. You know, like, and it's like, wow, these are some bad shots getting forced up here, just trying to make something happen. Like, let the offense work for you. And once you're going, then just go. You take it from there. You know, like, I think that is the best case scenario for Minnesota. Like, just, it's it's awesome. That is a skill that we need to compete mm-hmm. for a championship. Uh, but just let it come about or more organically than it sometimes does. Don't force it. Like, you can force it once it's there, uh, but don't try to make something there that's not there. Today's show is brought to you by Doer, D-U-E-R, and you've heard me telling you about my Doer jeans that I have, but Doer just also sent me a pair of their no-sweat pants, and I'm just a big fan of a pair of pants that looks good. You know, it looks like a dress pant. It looks formal that you can wear out there, but it doesn't feel like that. It's got that stretch to it. It's got that comfort to it, and these no-sweat pants that they gave me in like a a relaxed taper ones I got in black. I can wear them with everything. And I just really like that feeling. And I think Dewar has has sort of nailed that, the look with the comfort. They make stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for men and women with elevated styles that stand apart. And they're made from natural fibers for that high stretch and breathability. I really think, you know, if you're looking for some new pants, some winter pants, you know, consider these. Trust me, you need Dewar in your wardrobe. Order your new favorite jeans or pants today. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app 
Create an account and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think that this is going to settle in a little bit more? Like they're, they're going to find an, an offensive balance. I, I feel like for a month I've been saying like, I feel like they're like a couple small adjustments away from not the offense becoming elite, but like better than average, you know, and it's been below average the, the whole season. And I get like, I get a game like this and I, you know, I watch it. I watch it back. I'm like, yeah, that's a good offensive team. Yeah, like for like yeah. 10 straight minutes, right? Like not a good play, a good sequence. Like, and, and then it just, it just comes and goes. And I, and I, I feel like the, the break is coming where it's going to be like five, six games in a row where they have that 120 offensive rating or whatever. It, it feels like that's, that's close, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't happened. And, I don't know. I, I I still feel like it's close. I like that they're looking for the advantage basketball more. They're running more pick and roll. There's more inclusion of Rudy. They're they're finding that more and more offense, but more and more often in the offense. But then it goes it goes away at times, and I just it's maddening. I guess it's just like yeah. it's just maddening. I kind of go back to what Mike said add to one question after the Orlando game because I do think like. A big part of the reason why it goes away is like there does get to be more ball holding and whatnot. And so you don't even know where possessions were supposed to go um, Mm -hmm. until like because if Carl catches it up top, maybe he's holding it. And now that's eight seconds of the possession or it's just ending with the shot. Same thing can happen with Ant and like uh, that just happens. It it comes about and it it, like it comes back up, uh, like comes back up above the water. And you're like, oh, there it is again. Uh, And so like I think I asked Mike, like how long does it take to like break these tendencies? Or do you think like these tendencies can just be broken where you can just trust that like the good offense, like the first quarter against Orlando and then the Houston game at large, um, especially in the second half, but can, 
just be the norm. And he just kind of said that he goes like almost like Lindsay's like, I wish we had more practice time. Yeah. You know, like I think it's hard to cement something in as like this is what we do. Um, like frankly, pretty big changes in like how players approach the game in the middle of the season. Like I think you can have a practice, you can have a film session and it might pop it up for three games. And it's like, yeah, here we go. But I think like it's hard to not have it revert um, to where like this was a big detail that we've been focusing on. Um, And, and so guys are, it's constantly in their ear. They're thinking about it. And then like the second you go to try to patch another hole, that thing slips back down to like where your natural tendencies are. Um, And that is one of the hard things where it's like, okay, this is slipping again. We got to recorrect slipping again. We got to recorrect. I don't think it'll get to frankly right now. Like, um, this is just what they do every night. Mm-hmm. I, I think that'll, I don't know if they're going to get to that point this season. I don't, they might get there eventually and they can win with what they've been doing now. Like we've seen that. Um, but I don't know if it'll get to like that peak optimal point of they are taking the max advantage of the talent they have because everybody's making good, smart, quick decisions. I don't know if that's going to happen um, on a night to night basis by the end of this year. It's weird. Utah did that. Utah got to that point, right? Mike basically mentioned that. Yeah, like and, and I mean, it was and, all about quick decisions. We were just like, everybody's yeah. making the quick right decision off of each read, um, and that maximizes offense. I'm pretty sure all three seasons, or for sure the two full ones that Mike was there, they were both top five on offense and defense in in Utah. And and I I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily feel like that Utah team was way better than this Wolves team. I kind of weirdly feel like I like this Wolves team in the playoffs more. Not be, the defense is I guess they have more perimeter defenders. So maybe you could argue like the They the do. Is, they do. Is, and is like top, top 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 end scorers. I mean like it's Yeah. They have at least as much as Utah did. I mean it, so it gives you like this reason to believe that this can be better than Utah, but it hasn't been. It, this this players that this season if, hasn't been better than that, but I guess that's what I'm getting at is like I feel like I I can picture this team being the Utah team and better. Though, to be fair, we haven't seen that this season. The Wolves have been mediocre offensively the entire year. There hasn't it wasn't like, oh, remember that month? Remember November? Like, nope. It's like 13th in offense, 18th in offense, 21st in offense. Like if you go, if you go month to month, there hasn't really been that stretch. And it's as I've, you know thought more with the trade deadline and everything and like okay is this really a contender is this a team that i think can go to like the western conference finals or whatever and the answer to if that is yes this is what it has to be this part of the offensive thing needs to click in and it doesn't need to be 100 percent of the minutes it doesn't need to be 90 percent of it it just can't be it can't be as come and go uh as for games at a time yeah, <laughs> where like there are some games where it's like there was never a good stretch of offense. <laughs> right, right. It, I don't know. It's that's why this is a really interesting team, and I think it's why you know, with again after the Orlando game, another like okay, poor fourth quarter execution team, and I I started thinking about you know that that first playoff series, right? Whoever they get, and the ten ESPN people like do their pick right forever or for the for the series and. I can just picture like six of the 10 of them picking whatever, like the Lakers to, to upset them. And what they will reference is they will reference like the clutch offense and the, the late game stuff as 
as a reason. And a, it's, it's enough of a narrative and, and kind of a fair one that you go that team that people will feel just in being able to, to pick the wolves. And the question is going to be come the end of the season, come the beginning of the postseason is, can they do this? Can that not, can that just be a narrative and not a truth about this team? And it's hard because it kind of is a truth right now, though. I feel like it's close to be, I don't know, whatever that is. I feel like it's close to not being a truth too. If they just do a couple things a, a little bit, a little bit differently. I'm, I'm really interested by this kind of last, was it five games left before the, before the break? Like, but are, can, can you roll here? Can you roll into this? And can I sit here at all-star break and go, yeah, I do believe in this offense a little bit more. And when I think about the rest of the season in the playoffs, I do have that that greater confidence. Um, they need that. I feel like they they need that that count. You talked about it after the Thunder game, where you were like, they needed that mentally. You know, they need this mentally. I feel like to sustain for five games to believe and know that they that they can do it offensively. Well, the last two games are against Portland, so good chance you got some kind of good vibes heading into it. Yeah, I mean, in, in Chicago isn't going to be all that difficult, but it's really going to be the Milwaukee, Milwaukee first game and the Clippers. It's going to be though. those two games. Yep. Yeah, like yeah. so. So two can, road games against high end teams. Yeah, and you know it's a five game road. I'm not trip saying you have they, to win them either. You know, like yeah. well, it's a, it's a five game road trip, but they will come home between the Bucks and Clippers games. So yeah. it is a it's a two game road trip and a three game road trip. Right. I, I more so mean it of just like five games in a row on the road, and and to right. that end, you always are like, man, if you win three out of five, that's great. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. yep. Yep. And I think they, they probably will. There's just a kind of, a, I guess, a difference in, in how they do it. Are those three wins against Chicago and twice against Portland? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of feel like this game? Or do you, against Milwaukee or against the Clippers, do you have a game like the Thunder game where you go, oh, okay, let's put that in Let's put that in this pile. There's right. been a couple of those. They right. need that pile to get – or I, for me, I need that pile to get bigger to be more confident going into the playoffs of like, no, I'm not. This is stupid. Why are you taking the Lakers over the Wolves? Mm, you right. know, but at this point, there's enough that people point to where I can be like, yeah, I don't know, but that's a fair point. Like that's where I'm at with it right now. I'm not going to, I'm not going to think it's that, that stupid that somebody picks, you know, the seven seed over the two seeded Wolves or whatever, but that can change. I, I think that's the biggest thing I want to have change in the last 30, whatever games of the season is just a greater confidence there. Yeah, and people are going to be licensed to pick those types of things even more after last year when a seven went to the West Finals and an eight went to the NBA Finals. You know, so like, <laughs> I, I think we'll see. People will be more brave to do those things anyway, yeah. uh, just because. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think offensively, they had to find it and they had to find it for long periods, long stretches. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it just really... It, it comes down to like Mike was like, already liked our effort offensively last night, which is just not what you think of at all. But it was like, he's like, it's hard cutting. It's being really intentional about your spacing. It's, it's attention to detail and doing things hard. You can run whatever set you want. If it's not run hard with max effort, it's probably not going to work. Um, he's like, I liked our, we, you, he's like, you know, we're going to bring our effort defensively every night. We've right. seen that. He's like, but tonight I liked our effort offensively, which is so weird. It's like, you guys didn't try hard enough offensively. That's never the case. Never said about anything in the NBA. Uh, but it's, it's a like, different type of trying. It's a precision trying. Yes, it's not yep. a, it's a trying to be precise, not a trying to. It's, it's being intentional. Like, yeah. it's like, if it's like, it's thinking to cut and then it's cutting mm -hmm. hard. 
Uh, you know, it's it's all these types of things that just make offense so much better um, than like that. I think what he is saying is like doing those things, spacing, cutting, all these types of things. It makes decision making easy. Like we yeah. can talk about decision making all we want. A lot of times the turnovers come in like that was a bad decision, but you were you kind of were in a little bit of a pinch. We're like, if you are doing everything else correctly, now Carl has it's an easy thing where like I either have like the driving lane or it's very obvious where the help defender is coming in and where my pass should go. Right. Uh, so like that isn't, isn't always like just become a super high IQ player. It's like, let's make easy decisions for everybody. So it's really hard to screw it up. You mm-hmm. know, like that, that's how it's like repeatable every possession, getting the right thing um, and doing, doing well and creating good offense like that. That's kind of it. Like make everybody's decisions easier. Today's show is brought to you by uh, Prize Picks, and what I'm going to do this week with uh, Jace and Chris and Kyle, and I'll come up with something myself. We're each going to put together uh, a a slate uh, for for the Super Bowl uh, for Sunday, and we'll see if any of the four of us get all of our picks correct. I, I I'm going to go with Jace Patrick Mahomes over <laughs> half a yard passing. You are that is a free script. We should say that. Again, I think he's like, going to do it. I think he's going to do it. That'll be my pick. Okay. Okay. That's your one. You're just, no, not, no, you're no. Just... I'll make one. I'll make one. <laughs> it is a free square though. We should say that there's, they're, they're giving a free square is, is Mahomes going to throw for a yard in the game. So you take that and then you kind of start building uh, your, your slate from there. What else do you have Jace? Uh, Brock Purdy to throw an interception. Okay. Okay. I like that. Let's see if I can find that. Okay. Brock. Yeah. That's, yeah, that seems like a good one. <laughs> okay. What else? He, we got? I mean, he usually doesn't. Well, you just gave me to give one. But that's your only one. I thought you wanted me to give one. Cause you were going to make four out of everybody. No, 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 no. I wanted you to do four. Do you have anything else? Or you can oh. think about it more. What do you like? Do you like a receiver? Give me here? one second. You start poking around numbers. You just okay. start showing what's available and I'll pick something. Well, things. we got receiving. We got, we got Travis Kelsey, 70 and a half. I wonder how much of a, Taylor boost that got Ayuk 63 and a half no receiving yards here. Um, Rishi Rice at 67 and a half receiving yards. It feels a little bit, a little bit high there. I would go uh, Richie James under five and a half receiving yards. Richie James. <laughs> <What>? Okay. <laughs> I mean, he had six against Miami. I think they won that game by quite a bit. He had zero against Baltimore. I don't think he was even active for the Bills game. So. You just pulled this one out this of... Is... Yeah, I don't think he's going to do... I mean, okay. totally for him is like, is he active or not? Because if he's not active, then they'll wipe it off the board. But if That's... he's... But if he's... But if he is active and he uh-huh. like runs two routes, then they will give you that as a win. Uh, and then rushing yards, Pacheco over 67 and a half. He gets that. Like that was his number the last, the last. He got 68 last game. Um, and like San Fran's been run against in these playoffs. So like, I feel like that's a pretty strong one. Okay. All right. Um, so that will, will make this Jace's slate here. You, you can, you can be subject. Yeah, to I want the Mahomes one on mine. Okay, <laughs> well, I think everybody can take that. Um, so that that's just like a four leg. There's no amplifiers on that, but that if, if you did twenty dollars, that's uh, to win two hundred. If you don't have a you know a prize picks account and and you want to check it out uh, for the the Super Bowl um, this this coming Sunday, uh, create an account at PrizePicks.com or in the Prize Picks app. They'll give you a one hundred dollar sign up bonus if you use the promo code Dane and there's the free Patrick Mahomes square. So this is kind of their way of being like, hey, you know, come in. We'll give you we'll give you one here that uh gives you gives you some some good odds. So if you're gonna be watching the Super Bowl, consider checking this out. All right. Jason. If you're gonna be watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well if you're one of those people. Yeah, it's it is fun. It is fun though to have something 
on a Super Bowl game. Yes. And I'm not yeah. a like it, yep. it's yep. like the I'm not a big like just in general sports better, but I'll watch with a friend and I'll be like, okay, like, you know, I got the Chiefs plus one and a half. Like it just yeah, makes yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. the yep. it's the yep. one time a year where you're like, all right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Right. Uh, right. It, yeah. It is harder to, to track something, I'm assuming, like prize picks when you're like at a Super Bowl party and like people are talking to you and you're going and getting food and no, stuff and you're no, like, Richard, Richard, you're like, Richard yeah, James. Richard yeah, James. right. Honestly, yeah, it's like it's like you're sitting in the fourth quarter. It's like, I just need Richie James to not catch a single pass. And somebody's like, in the second quarter, he got a 12 yard pass. Like, Damn. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the last thing I, I want to uh, to get to here is is your Conley corner. Uh, for this week, we, we we pretty much well every time you do a Conley corner, we we come on and we talk about uh, what you know you you and Mike was the the focus of of that article that time. Can you because I think this ties into what the meat of of what this week's Conley corner was. Can you just talk about like how this this came to be and and what Conley corner is? Yeah, so like last year, um, we would talk to Mike Conley all the time, uh, and just like really good interviews like to me it was always like we ask a lot of guys after the games good bad whatever like why did this work why didn't this work and they have some answers and whatnot um a lot of times it's like oh yeah defensively just like you know played really hard whatever uh offensively we moved the ball like mike is like sitting there and like you walk away from his being like i feel like an nba coach like i know so much about basketball <laughs> you know heard. it's like yeah. like like switching defenses uh, was something they were terrible at last year and sometimes they still struggle with it and mike is like we well, need to do a b c and d and that's how you eventually break this down and it's like oh okay mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense and then the next time they play against it you what they play against it you watch for it um and and you feel like you've got a better grasp on the game and it was like you could talk to this guy about anything and it's all like super interesting insightful answers um and so that was kind of like the whole thing of like this off season. I was like, what's something interesting I could do. It's like, I would love to talk to Mike Conley about anything, um, <laughs> you know, like twice a month or whatever. And, yeah. and the reason why I thought that would work is because he's always like thoughtful enough with his answers that I knew if he took that, if he did the interview, he would give, I would have something to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and B I knew that he would do it. Like, and the amount of people who would do this is such a small list. Of, of time who's taking 10 minutes out of after a practice once every two weeks it doesn't sound like much but like no. it's hard to get like ant to come over to talk after practice like some two minutes yeah. yes right and and you know he's like oh i'm doing this and this i talked after the game two days ago whatever yeah. uh like sometimes we're really popular they love yeah talking. sometimes they can be pulling teeth <laughs> to just get him to come over and talk to us as a group yeah. mike i was very confident would do this because he's just so like willing to share his thoughts and his time and it's awesome and it's just made covering the wolves so much more mm -hmm. so much i think better or just our coverage is better because we all have a firmer grasp of what's going on and what needs to change uh yeah because he's so good at sharing all of that so this week's was just like mike why are you so on good that. at the media yeah. why are you so good and why do you prioritize and, this yeah yeah and mm -hmm. just like just so giving of your time and everything um and he was like you know like i found the relationship and like the value of the media and how that's kind of all encompassing for the whole league. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then he's even talked about like, he's like, I was, I've been more private, um, in a lot of areas of my life, but eventually I hit a point where I was like, it's not going to hurt anything if I'm sharing my insight yeah. uh, with these people and whatnot. And, and I do think it also goes back to just like Mike Conley's a good dude who treats everybody the same. Um, doesn't like look down on us. I don't think in any way, shape or form doesn't look down on anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, if you approached, if you walked past Mike Conley in the street and 
you were like Mike Conley, he'd be like, Hey, and if you asked him a question about basketball, he would have a conversation with him. He would. I am confident in that. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just that has now we just set Mike up for a lot of on the street conversations. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Uh, maybe one question, we'll yeah, maybe yeah. save it to one question, uh, especially if it looks like he's visiting, he's going somewhere, which he probably yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was the whole point of the whole interview uh was just breaking down why are you like this with the media because it's so rare like mm -hmm. it's so rare that somebody is so like after a loss dane so like shit hit the fan um like rudy throws a punch at kyle who do we go talk to yeah mike yeah did the wolves blow a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter who do we go talk to mike yeah yeah and it doesn't matter like so many players like Ant thinks he should talk after a game if he scored 25. He doesn't get, like, if he scored 17. He's like, I didn't do anything. Why do they want to talk to me? Like, I didn't even have a yeah. good game. Mike understands that, like, I've talked about anything. Good, mm -hmm. bad, ugly. Um, and it's just so, like, not combative at all. Like, there's never, like, a short answer. He's he's thoughtful. He's answering your questions, even if they're hard questions. Um, he's talked about, like, I know that I built up enough respect for relationships where, like, nobody's asking me gotcha questions. Nobody's yeah. trying to get me to say anything. And it's, it's a two-way street. Like, Mike gives us enough stuff no matter what. Like, Mike just talking about basketball is interesting. There's no need to stir anything else up. Um, but he is just, like, the shield for all of his teammates, and he always has been. Like, I've heard about this, like, when he was in Utah and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were, you know, clearly strained relationship. And it was like, is Donovan Mitchell not even passing to Rudy Gobert? Like, you know, those guys aren't necessarily talking after games. And Mike Conley's going up there and doing the interviews, you know, like at the press conference table and whatnot. Um, right. He's just always done that. Um, he's he's been like the spokesman and he handles it really well. And the fact that he's not really throwing guys under the bus, but he's not giving us absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. um, he walks that line so well, I think. Uh, it's been easily the best person I've covered just as far as like consistently giving access to himself and insight. Intellect. That yeah, that, that's yes. the thing. It's like, I think that's the part to hammer home. It's not just that it's not just that he will talk. It's the substance of, of what he, he talks about. And, you know, obviously like you and I are doing a little bit of different things. Right. And yeah. Yep. And, and the, this being a perfect example is like, you're trying to tell a story like through quotes. Sometimes I'm trying to like things I don't understand, um, like maybe an X's and O's type of thing. And with, with Mike, He's like willing. I, I feel like he's put together like, OK, Jace is trying to do this. Like he kind of has a feel for what we're each trying to get to. And it, it really I think it helps us tell a more like accurate story about what's going on, whether it's a story about Mike or a story um, uh, about the team. And it's like this. Not, not that our stories or this podcast or, or anything are that big of a thing, you know, not that, that, that many people like read it or listen to it. Right. But those interviews are taken and they're, you know, they're on YouTube and, and people are, are able to see all of that, or they're in John's stories and Chris's stories or national stories and all this sort of stuff. And having high quality answers that really answer the question that form the story present a more accurate story and and amongst all of us together like we are i think you put this in the story like we're the, kind of the microphone right for for these guys and and being able to tell their story so to have someone on the team that you can go to in those situations and get a sober answer of 
this is what it is. This isn't what it is. I mean, Mike's not the only player who's done this. Taj Gibson was really good yep. uh, with this for us. Uh, Taj, Taj once ago. said, as we came over, he's like, yeah. why do you guys only ever come over after we lose? Yeah. <laughs> because like, no, no, like, Taj, you're sitting in the chair. Everybody else is hiding in the shower. No, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting angle. And it's just like, um, it's something I've just grown in appreciation for. Like, in media of of this stuff matters i think it's just tactically smart by mike too like i mean let, let's be real like he's giving you 10 15 minutes a week or whatever on on this and being conscientious and whatever giving you that time that's developing a relationship with you that is going to lead you to not not necessarily totally paint him in in a better like homery type light but it is going to lead you to be more accurate with that and you're not going to just you're going to always have positive assume positive intent with mike conley you know and i i think that's it's a it's a smart thing for all players to do is to to think about it in that sort of way i think it does a ton for their their q score because we're humans too you know and the way in which we interact and receive and perceive these players um you know we're doing it through our own filters of our heads and and when it's presented to us in this sort of way yeah i just i just feel like i tell personally a more accurate story of whatever is going on with the minnesota timberwolves because i can talk to mike conley about that and i think that's a really why and kind of invaluable thing to to have on on your team particularly when this is kind of a younger team, you know, your star players 22 and he's great and funny in the media and all that, but he's not giving Mike Conley answers, you know, um, that really help us better understand what is, what is going on. So yeah, I, I have a great appreciation for it too. I think it's a, yeah, I think it's a, an interesting, an interesting element about this team. And I, I, I love these Conley corner things, man. Like everybody look to them. It's a completely like unique content. These are just Jace. And Mike one on one, so it's like it's, it's not something I have access to or, or anything else. Like you can only get this stuff um, from from Jace. It's a uh, just to give one more example, and like I don't, I keep using Ant's name. Like Ant, it, 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 it's basically like seventy percent of NBA players. Um, and and like mm -hmm. it's just like and Ant isn't and Ant isn't no. rude to us. No, at no, all no, 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 no. That's what I'm trying different. to say. Yeah. I am not trying to like. It's just yeah. here's a prime like. He is not the only player who doesn't want to come over after practice. He's yeah, not. I'm just like, he's just always the first name that comes to my head. He's more like the norm than everybody else. It's, you know, like, For sure. um, but like after the Orlando game and this is 22 year old flustered, you know, like you're asking him questions and like kudos to him for just doing the availability. But five out of his 10 answers are, I don't know, man. Yeah. It literally is. I like, don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, and then you got Mike over there and he's like, we need to do this and this and this and this. If we do this, then we can get here. We're just struggling <laughs> with this right now. And I think we'll get there, uh, but it takes time and it takes this and everybody's got to accept this. And you're just like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. You know, like, um, and maybe that's Ant when he's 36, you know, who knows? Uh, but he was like, here's one, the thing like about effort on offense. It was like effort issues. They're really associated with offense. And Mike goes, just to give you like one answer and like the depth of knowledge that he gives us. Yeah. It's kind of like that gift and a curse. We have such a talented team with guys who can go get a bucket at any point that you can get lazy. You can get complacent. You can just say, give me the ball and I'll go score it. 
And when you do that, your offense slows down. There are certain points when you're making shots and it looks good, and then you start missing them. And then nobody else is in a rhythm. Nobody else is in a good flow. So it requires everybody continuing to run, continuing to space. Like Rudy does it the best. Rim run and use his body to create attention and open up stuff for a lot of people. That's something we've got to continue to work on. It's like, that's one answer. And he gave 10 answers like that. <laughs> you know, like it, it is just like, oh, really insightful. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I understand why. And it that... matches what we're seeing. Yes. You know? yep. Like, and, yep. and it, it's not like, oh, yeah, that he's saying, yeah, that didn't work. But this is how it can work. And it has worked in the past. Here's an example. Rudy is an example of how it, you know. Yep. So then you it, know what to watch for. So then you watch on offense. and You're like, wow, yeah, Rudy does like, oh, yeah, his rolling. Oh, yeah, you do see how the roll without him even getting the ball, mm -hmm. the roll sucked in that defender that opened up the corner three. Yep. Like, and he didn't get the ball and he had nothing to do with it. You just look at the person who passed it and the person who shot it. Mm -hmm. And Rudy had a big impact on the play. Like those types of things. Then like when you listen to Mike and it's like, oh, OK. Right. And as far as like the media thing goes, like you talk about the bias, like as much as anything. Like, and obviously we're taught, like, you know, you try your best not to let anything like break down your objectivity and covering the game. Not even like, oh, I like Mike Conley more, so I'm going to frame him in a positive light. It's it's that if I'm hearing Mike Conley give all these answers all the time after every game, whose perspective is going to start to leak in and become like more of my perspective? Sure. Like I'm starting to see the game from Mike Conley's perspective because it's getting shared with me on such a deep level. So I'm seeing the game the exact same way he's seeing the game eventually. Um, and that's going to frame like how I see everything. Uh, mm -hmm. and so I think like the more open you are with, and the more available you are, mm -hmm. like the more your perspective is shared with the people who are covering you, that can only be a positive thing. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, but here is where they're coming from on this. I see what's happening. Here's kind of where they're thinking in that spot. Yeah. You know? No. And it's, um, and it, it and it's a balance. Like it, it doesn't need to be, and he does a, a ton of media stuff and he does like he radio goes, hits, but, but he goes above and beyond. Above so we're not saying beyond. That, yes. that this is the, yes. the expectation by he is any the outlier. Yeah. But you see the advantages of having done that. And I think, you know, if you guys are just like consumers of me and Jace's stuff and you go, you know, I think Dane and Jace have been doing some more smart content this year. That's why it, I mean this is a this is a big a big part of the reason and I think again particularly with what we were talking about before a team that is like confusingly right there but definitely not there offensively I have I have such a better understanding of what they're trying to get to and what it will look like when it works because Mike Conley's explained that to me and and it's like echoes but in a different way of what finch said to us too and so right you kind of take you know you go back and you read the transcripts after the game of what finch said and what mike said and and then you know i'm sitting here to do a segment on why the fourth quarter offense didn't work i took my notes during the game of why i thought it was and now i got all these other different things that i've added in and maybe even taken as my own from something that that Conley and, and and Finch said, so I don't know. That's a, maybe a little inside uh, baseball uh, on the media side there, but I I think uh, yeah, Mike Mike Conley's a, a a gem for for those of us in the media, and I think that was a, a a cool a cool article that that you dug into. These are about every other week. I, I think I was saying yeah, weekly, roughly but... every other. It's it's definitely every other is the goal. There are times where it goes every three, uh, just mm -hmm. schedule they're out of time yeah. or whatever, right? Uh, but it's like every other for the most part but yeah it's mm -hmm. been it's been awesome and like i was a little worried that i would run out of stuff and there are some times where like I'm like what should i do this week like, <laughs> and then i'm like is this even a good idea but then mike just talks 
And it's literally, and I'm like, yeah, that worked out great. Like, I didn't have anything, but I asked like one starter thing, and then all of a sudden it was easy to have a conversation. Like, yeah. and like, like, I just encourage like last night's isn't on there, but Timberwolves YouTube page, they've got all like the post game practice stuff, whatever. Like, go to another post game mm-hmm. and just watch Mike, and like, I, you'll probably learn more about basketball. Like, you'll get a deeper understanding of like the team and where it's at and what it needs to do, or what just in general, what's good basketball. Like, it's insightful. Yeah, well, I think the you're right. That one's not. Uh, I was gonna play some. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. It was, right. It, it was he was the last one to talk, so I think yeah. the Timberwolves camera was out of there at that right. point. I but think yeah. it's probably up there for the Orlando game though, and he answered yeah. like eight. That's a perfect yes. example. Yeah, yep. answered like eight questions in a row about late game offense. Yeah, actually, the the Mike one last night was Carl talked at the exact same time. So yeah, that, that that's tomorrow. that's why there was yeah two two different ones there. But yeah, no, it's just a. You want to learn more about basketball? You want to learn more about the Timberwolves? Listen to Mike Conley, whether that's us there in the locker room or or people uh, at home. I really, I really recommend that, and obviously recommend checking out these Conley corners uh, from from Jace at the Pioneer Press. Um, that's all I got for today, Jace. I appreciate you doing it. Thanks, man. Always a good time. Next up, uh, I'm heading to Chicago for the the game against the Bulls on Tuesday. And Chris Hine and I will record off of that game on a Wednesday morning. And then I don't really know what's going to happen the rest of the week. It's it's trade. Are, have you decided, are you going to come to Milwaukee? I don't know. Based on the trade deadline? It does. matters yeah. a lot. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. This will be kind of one of those weeks where I'm part because I'm traveling and part because it's the trade deadline. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get stuff in where we can and, you know, if they trade for somebody and uh, there's not a podcast up within five hours, it might be because I'm literally in the car driving to Milwaukee or something yeah, like yeah. that. So uh, that's what that's what's coming this week. Next up uh, will be will be Chris and I. And then I think that I think we got kind of the trade deadline after that. Something there. And I'm excited to watch the the Milwaukee game on, on the night of the of the trade deadline. So we'll see if the rosters changed at all. We'll see how they fare again against a bigger team that can match up physically with the Wolves. That's just one of those things, you know, for a month, six weeks now, I've kind of had in my mind of like, is this, is this a weakness? You know, can they, can they, can they overcome that? Milwaukee will be the next challenge there. So coming up, that's what's coming up this week. Uh, again, he's Jace Frederick. You're following him on Twitter at Jace Frederick. You're reading him in the Pioneer Press. I'm Dane at Dane Warren NBA. Um, yeah. Until Wednesday with Chris, he's Jace. I'm Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like